This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray, and we welcome you to episode number 65, where today... We are going to be talking about something we've mentioned quite a few times, Mm -hmm. linear algebra. What Mm. is it like to live in a world filled with with linear relationships? With lines and and, and (laughs) things that that are just so nice and perfect and beautiful. What you realize when you get into the STEM world very quickly is that first you start studying things that are very nice very easy you know we're gonna get into it obviously Mm -hmm. but the actual world that we live in is very not perfect no absolutely and very hard to describe actually Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we actually use the tools that uh, you develop while learning linear algebra and such Mm -hmm. and you try to apply those tools in very local local scenarios where you can linearly approximate things which is a very a very good like help Mm -hmm. i guess yeah yeah because as you were mentioning as you said the world is not perfect far from it actually not Mm -hmm. ideal Mm -hmm. ideal is a more correct word because perfect nothing's perfect even like these equations aren't perfect it's i think linear algebra is perfect (laughs) it's so beautiful perfection no but it in an ideal world I, i totally understand what you mean though like it is in like an idealized world, linear algebra would be it. It that would be the that that would be the math to rule them all, right? Our bodies not... would be cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that I mean might be a consequence of living in a purely linear world. But I think you can the fact only that we move live in one in this, direction at a time. The fact that we live though in the the fact that we live in this almost well non-linear, totally non-linear world, and everything does is not ideal kind of gives power to linear algebra because the fact that we live in this non-linear world and we can use linear algebra, which is like this idealized math, to approximate, as you were talking about, to estimate non-linear versions. Like if we can use this simple math to estimate this complicated world, it's a power. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, very, it's a very useful power. So that, I guess that's it's, power not really, of... it's not really idealized because, I mean... Every, every type of math, I guess, you know, it's, it's all quote unquote, like made up, like all the notation and all that stuff. You're so right. there are imperfections everywhere, right. but you know, linear algebra is just so much fun because it, it just, it's so like systematic where it's like, you have a plane and a line, where mm-hmm. do they intersect? And then you just, mm-hmm. you have perfect, nice linear equations to describe the line, to describe the plane. And you just... You just put them together and then the answer comes out and it's so nice. It's so pretty. There's no like, 
there's no crazy, you know, when we go into like chaos it's an elegant theory form of math. and all that stuff. I understand. Yeah. yeah. It's an yeah. elegant form of math, exactly. right? Because everything fits sure. together beautifully. It's nothing highly conceptual. It's all some things, things you can visualize. At least now, though. Somewhat. At least, yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, at least now. In this stage where we are, like in second year math, like going into third year. And for most university, you know, goers, especially like just dipping their toe into math, will be very comfortable with all the stuff we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it can definitely get crazy. Like especially like the higher year linear algebra courses can definitely get very complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So once again, let's hit yeah. you guys with the comment of the week. Boom. Before we get into the episode, if you want to be next week's comment of the week, make sure to head on over to YouTube and leave a comment under this video and you might get picked. All right. This yeah. week, Ray's dad actually left a beautiful comment. Hey. He says... He says, wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say. Probably our best episode so far. And this was um, our episode with Don Lincoln. He says, I've always wanted to know more about the Higgs boson. Guys, you just rocked it. Great going. Hey, thank you thank so you, much. Dad. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Great awesome comment. comment. And uh, now yeah, you want to hit him on, with the news. Moving on to the news of the podcast here. We are almost touching that 140K downloads. We're at 138.5 right now. We're close to the 150. We're close to the 150. That's fun. So that's nicer. Like we're closer to 150 than we are to 100. So that's nice. Right? That's that's a cool little update. And with our Spotify, we're chilling, chilling at a cool 9,500 followers. Wow. We just need a quick wow. half, half K <laughs> more to get to that big juicy number. So I'm, right. I'm very excited. Make very sure to excited. hit that follow button absolutely on spotify or apple or anywhere you're listening right now so we can get to 10k followers on spotify i predict i think i think maybe there's a there's a healthy chance that we uh hit 10k before next week's episode maybe no way bro maybe seven what? days I, I don't know in seven days 500 know, followers that would be insane. let's 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 prove ray wrong right now i mean prove and me just, wrong and i would hit, love to hit see the this. follow button i would love to see this that <laughs> would be truly tremendous so yeah i mean all, all of you guys just if you guys are on spotify even if you're not listening on spotify go to spotify follow us wow <laughs> <laughs> download spotify <laughs> <laughs> follow us why Anyways. not right so yeah let's let's just talk about linear algebra right here so first of all We've been throwing around the term linear a lot, a lot. Yeah, but um, let's let's actually talk about the term linear. And a lot of people, myself included, you know, I even when I was taking linear algebra, I didn't really take a second to think about like what what is what makes something linear, and you know, not to get too technical, or actually to to be very untechnical. Linear just means nice. It's so nice. <laughs> nice. That's the best no, way to say that, it. Okay, that, no, that's the most not untechnical way to say it. No, I'm just saying <laughs> nice. It's, it's nice. When you think about a line, it's just so perfect, and and it, you know it goes in one direction, and it, it's you know when you have well, a technically plane, a line goes in both directions. You know, like one way and well, the yeah, opposite way. I'm saying there's one yeah, there's one directional, whatever. 
when you have a plane or a hyperplane, which is just a, a higher dimensional plane, everything just works out so perfectly. And um, <laughs> is there like is there an actual? I mean, there must be, but is there like an easy way to define linear? I mean, the best way, in my opinion, to describe linear is to the first power. Okay. That's like, I mean, this is getting a lot more technical than what we were talking about previously. Mm-hmm. Just talking about nice, but well, uh, actually, it's not even that because you no, can it, have things like logs and trig functions that don't have any powers included, but are still non-linear. No, that's what I mean, though. Oh, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm so I'm not talking about like. Uh, but technically, log x, even though that is a power, like x is a power of one, it's still a log function. I'm talking about simply a polynomial, like any type of polynomial where it depends on simply the variable or a constant multiplied by that variable, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the most common linear relationship is voltage and resistance, right? Like, that's your... <laughs> is or, that or, the most common? <laughs> voltage and current, like, I mean, I think so. Or, or I mean, I, I guess, like, that's the most common that we see in physics because, like, Current sure. is done in like grade 10 physics, right? Or like, I'm pretty sure like grade I mean, 10, grade I, 11 I physics, the, we do current. The, the most common would be just like, uh, like velocity or like, okay, if you, yeah, were, that if you were to do like, like distance, velocity and time. Yeah. That relationship. Like linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically Anyways. like, yeah, as, as we were saying, so anything like the moment, just think about thinking about like a Cartesian plane. If we're thinking about Y equals MX, like, again, this is kind of grade nine math here for those people that hated that. <laughs> but uh, so if you just think of Y equals MX, no matter what that M is, no matter what that B is, even if you're adding a constant of uh, adding like a Y constant, it's always going to be a line. It's always going to be a straight line. Why? Because that X is a power of one. Now, the moment we change that power, it no longer remains a linear relationship. So the linear is simply that you're saying Y and X have a linear relationship. Right. And that and just describe it. So linear, whenever we say linear, even though we're applying it in terms of algebra, we're basically asking ourselves, well, when are or are these two variables related to each other? And if so, what is their relationship? If it's linear, then, as I was mentioning, they're both related in the same power, like y equals some function of x in the same power. And if it's nonlinear, it could be a higher power. Right, so I think that is yeah. a, I think that's a pretty nice way to think about linear relationships, but right? If you have a better way. Yeah, but something that's great about linear relationships, if you if you were to think about a line in three dimensions, for example, and mm-hmm. you're just looking at the vectors that are restricted to that line, if you were to stretch that vector, that's part of a line, right? And we're, we're strictly speaking about lines that pass through the origin just for simplicity yeah, here. Just for simplicity. Um, so if you're, if you're a vector that's on that line, if you multiply that vector by any constant, you are still going to be a part, you're still going to be restricted to that line, whether you, you are extended one way or you get reversed the other way, mm-hmm. you're still going to be stuck to that line. And if you also take two different vectors that are on that line and you add them together or subtract them from each other or you stretch one and add it to the other, you're still going to be restricted to that one line. And that also applies to planes and hyperplanes. If you have two vectors that are a part of that plane and you add them together, you're still going to be in that plane. And this has to do with uh, subspaces where, I mean, essentially 
isn't that the way you confirm like if you say like oh no no, no you're right I'm, I'm just thinking if we should get into subspaces right now oh i guess that's the only thing i mean I thinking of. Yeah. essentially if you want to confirm if someone says like oh is this a subspace of r3 essentially you just have to confirm whether you know if you stretch the vector it's still in that subspace or if you add two different vectors in that subspace is it still in that subspace mm -hmm. and then yes in fact yes that's a way to <laughs> or think also about the it, but, origin yeah. has to be yeah, yeah for, from the origin especially because like we're just taking like the simpler version but i think um you were you were talking about like all these vectors and stuff man and and uh, the mathematical term for for the vectors that you were just talking about is directional vector right so a line uh no matter what r3 r4 r5 r200 a line is pointing even though yes it does point in two directions mathematically speaking it has one direction vector because direction mm -hmm. vectors interestingly enough if you flip them like if you just flip them 180 degrees so they're just pointing the other direction it's technically the same direction vector why yep. because if you have any vector and you just put a minus sign in front of both of the values of the vector it's going to flip 180 degrees. Mm -hmm. So a nice way to think about it is that it's not really changing the property of the vector whatsoever. It's only mm -hmm. changing like if it's pointing this way or the other way kind of thing. Yeah. So even th so even though we're technically saying there are two directions, it's restricted to that. I mean, I keep saying yeah, direction, yeah. but it's still restricted <laughs> to that one yeah. direction. If you get what I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure people can kind of figure out. But that's the direction vector of a line. And any line, any line in any dimension can be described mathematically with one direction vector. Now, moving on to planes, we have, well, maybe you can guess it, two direction vectors. And this is only planes in three dimensions, by the way. The moment we get to higher dimensional planes, like a 3D plane in a four dimensional, like they, obviously it gets more and yeah. more complicated. But for the simple plane, like when you're talking about like a 2D plane in a three dimensional uh, uh, coordinate system, which is usually when we talk about planes, any plane can be described with two direction vectors. And those direction vectors, they're always or orthogonal, right? No. They're not always orthogonal? No, they just have to be non-linear. Dependent. They don't dependent. have to be dependent on each other. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so any combination, basically, of those two vectors can get you, basically, again, the point of this thing is that any combination of these vectors will get you anywhere on that entire plane and that's mm -hmm. the ba and that's the basic idea of this thing right similar to a line any combination of that direction vector you're just adding multiples of it right either positive yeah. or negative if you want to go in the other direction will get you to any point on the line and similarly mm -hmm. on a plane right just and thinking the about way that. that the way that i visualize hyperplanes okay is i don't okay but <laughs> here's here's how i here's how i do it though um, <laughs> i don't so you think about a plane in two dimensions and you think about how, okay, so you're restricted to like this flat space and, you know, you can go, if you go off in like any like other direction, then you're no longer going to be in that plane, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be restricted to like this flat space. Um, but now if you try to think about a three-dimensional plane in a four-dimensional space, you have to... Think about it the same way you do a two-dimensional plane in a three-dimensional space, as in, like, there are three different, like, orthogonal directions mm -hmm. that you can go in, and, you, and you'll still be in that plane. But if you kind of go in some, like, 
off angle direction that you can't imagine in your head, you're no longer going to be restricted to Mm -hmm. to that plane. Mm -hmm. So like the idea is not to imagine it in your head. The idea is just to think about it as if it was a two dimensional plane in three dimensions, just so your brain can like think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So any plane, yeah. Any plane is simply right. Is that, is that, isn't that always true? Any plane. Wait, can you have a 3d plane? Yeah, you yeah, can. You can have a 3D plane. plane in a five-dimensional surface. Yeah, you can totally yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Never. No, because I I was gonna say that all planes are one dimension less than the dimension they're occupying, but that's not true. But that's not well, true. Because as I said, you can have a 3D plane yeah. in a five-dimensional in a five-dimensional yeah. coordinate system, right? Yeah, I guess. But to like to the higher dimensional beings that are looking at these planes, yeah, it's like the most natural plane. Like, as a as a as a three dimensional being, we look at two dimensional planes and we're like, yeah, like this is what a plane looks like. Mm-hmm. We can observe it from above and from underneath and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. if, I, if we were five dimensional, we look at a four dimensional plane and we're like, yeah, we can look at it from like this angle and this angle. But then when we get to like lower dimensional planes, so for example, like a like a three dimensional plane in a five dimensional uh, world, it's gonna look like too simple you know what i mean it's like us looking at a line line i was just gonna say yeah yeah like it it seems like you know for us we look at a line and we're like it just looks like it's like empty almost like it's just like one what would a line look like in one strand i mean like for a five-dimensional that that is a good question not not human not human but like five-dimensional per not even person being 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 i don't know i I mean mean, that's always a question because i guess we are restricted (laughs) To, because all the planes that we can see, that we can perceive, is only one dimension less than the maximum that we can see, right? So we can only sure. see a two-dimensional plane in a three-dimensional coordinate system. We can't see yeah. anything higher. But <laughs> that's why the idea the idea of a four-dimensional plane or a three-dimensional plane in a four-dimensional system is cool. But a two-dimensional plane in a four-dimensional right. system. I know, I know I we're this, talking. I think this whole plane thing is <laughs> But I'm just thinking, like, there. it would be a, it would be a yeah, cool concept. No, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. It would, it and would, right? So we've been talking about all of these linear relationships for a while now. But what is what is non-linear? What non-linear. is something that's non-linear? Okay, so okay. here we go. It's basically... The opposite of what we were talking about, but there's a lot, you have a lot more options, right? Yeah. Like, for example, a sine wave as like a transformation as a function is nonlinear because, um, actually I want to save this for when we get into transformations, but the, the whole idea is that you have like an exponential or a parabola or anything that's not like nice and straight and all like. It's Perfect. not a constant change. That I think that maybe, maybe yeah. that's the word you look constant for. Constant gradient, a constant change, I guess. Right? No, that's the thing. Like with anything non-linear, it's not a constant change between successive points. Like if you think about the simplest y equals x squared example, your 2 provides 4, 3 is 9, 4 is 16. Like the, the difference between 4 and 9 is not the same as 9 and 16, right? So the, sure. so the change between yeah. successive points is non-linear like literally as is described mm-hmm. it's not constant <laughs> it's not a constant change so it's not a linear change linear and yeah. constants are kind of but thrown when we, away uh, in, in similar in similar uses 
when we talk about planes for example yeah it's going to be a constant gradient right because you can go in different directions and the change is going to depend on which direction you're going in but when you're talking about like the general gradient the the like the direction in which the plane increases the the fastest Mm. plus that actual rate of change is going to be constant all throughout the plane and um yeah i think that that actually brings us two vectors and this is something i always like to talk about because with this perspective and this is not to say that oh my god i know everything right i'm just saying from this perspective of having passed uh multivariable calculus while applying ideas from linear algebra you get to see how so many things are just connected together and it's very beautiful and your understanding of like functions themselves just broadens to infinity okay so like the way i look at vectors um i think about a number a number is just a symbol right and it communicates one piece of information and let's say the number is two okay that that symbol can communicate, for example, distance or weight or price or anything. But the, the most it can do is one piece of information at a time. But what if you are trying to describe something that has more than one characteristic, right? You're trying to um, describe, let's say, a ball and you want to, like, the vector associated to that ball describes its weight and its velocity volume at the that. same okay, time sure, that's I, like whatever yeah, sure. i guess i guess the i guess that would be a three-dimensional vector because the velocity would need like yeah a, i was i was just that's what i was just thinking anyways. like if you are sure oh. weight and volume yeah sure. weight and volume, let's, like let's one wh- volume weight number volume. one mass hammer anyways. yeah continue anyways so you would need some thing that can communicate two pieces of information you can't use one number to communicate weight and volume Unless you, let's say, for example, you propose, what if we add them together? And then that number would give you the weight and volume. But the thing is that you wouldn't yeah. be able to discern yeah, exactly. d- different <laughs> objects. You add them up. No, but that's just <laughs> no, no, an no, idea. No, no, like, I understand if you're trying to... the thought, like, oh, let's try and do this, but it won't yeah, work. Exactly. Let's try and do this, but it won't work. Yeah. Exactly. You wouldn't be able to discern between, like, a 10-pound ball that has a volume of, te- of 5 and a 5-pound ball that mm-hmm. has a... You know, whatever. Exactly. So the idea, like one really bad idea would be to um, like create an entire new set of symbols that each communicate two different pieces of information. But you can already see how this will go wrong, right? There will be just like too many things to actually like take in as somebody who's trying to communicate information and as also somebody who's trying to receive that information. Mm-hmm. But... In a way, we did actually devise symbols that communicate two pieces of information, but we did it in the, the most logical and simple way. And that's, you'd literally just list out the, the symbols that we already know that communicate one piece of information, and you just put one on top of the other. You say, 
<laughs> you say the the first the first number represents this, the second number represents this, and you literally you just make it a list. And that's what a vector is. A two-dimensional mm -hmm. vector has two entries and each entry are, you know, like independent mm -hmm. of each other, I guess. You know, and if you want to put them on like a like a plane, you say okay, in the x direction we have the weight and in the y direction you have the volume and now all of a sudden you can communicate any type of ball with any weight and volume with a single point on that plane which mm -hmm. is described by two pieces of information and now obviously this can be extended to any amount of exactly variables right exactly. and you can have a vector that has a hundred entries mm -hmm. and right each yeah. of those entries is yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, if and you have a higher dimensional coordinate system, as you as we were talking about earlier, like a five dimensional coordinate system, this vector would have five entries, right? Each conveying one singular piece of information about this whole picture, right? And and vectors can also be used, and I think we will get into it get get into it when we talk about you know functions and stuff like that, and when we apply these vectors to functions, it can we can convey even more information. For example, mm. so as, so so far we've gone through the idea that vectors are basically a way of communicating a, a more information in a succinct way, in a in a simple way to understand. So again, if we want, if we're in a three, in, if we're in a three-dimensional coordinate system, as as Parker, as you were just saying, if we want to represent any point on that coordinate system, we just write down x, y, z, and that's and that's our vector. Now, the idea with functions where it gets kind of interesting is that usually and almost always throughout high school, especially, we deal with these things called scalar functions. And we're just kind of, oops, and we just kind of deal with that. And we're never even really told that there's something else because I believe we found out about vector functions in our second year. We didn't even <laughs> like think about I'm like, wow, that's I mean, one thing one thing that's funny is that we actually knew about vector valued functions in first year linear algebra because oh linear, linear algebra of course no of course in linear algebra are we'll functions yeah yeah and so yeah for sure the, in, the, yeah. the best realization is that when you're doing functions in high school and you're just doing you know one input one output you need to think about functions as literally a machine where mm, you have your your list of inputs and then when you look at a graph of a function, you're literally looking at what the machine does mm -hmm. when you when you put something into it. And of course, you have nice functions that are continuous, which, you know, usually in high school, you look at, you know, mostly continuous functions that are, you or know, just continuous, continuous at a, at a well. point. Yeah, piecewise continuous. Stuff like that, um, yeah. And so, like, these functions, you can you can graph them nicely. And it's very simple because they're one dimensional. You have your inputs and your outputs and you see what they look like. And your like outputs, when no, you, the, when the you important thing it. is though that the outputs are one dimensional, right? Like we can yeah. all put this out on one dimension. That's exactly. that, that that's our big advantage, at least in high school, what we're always dealing with. Right? We always look at our one dimensional output. Now, coming to linear algebra and, and mixing up functions with these vectors, you can see, hey, how about we don't project it to R? which is again like r r2 r3 so when i say r i'm talking about like okay just scalar values right so instead of just projecting it to r which is what we're used to why don't we project it to r2 r3 which is basically a way of saying um, i think you want to say map 
Yeah, map it, map it. You're more correct. Yeah, that is more correct. Map it to R2, R3, basically a way of saying that one function you put in, let's say, let's make it very simple. You put in f of x, you put in one number, and it will spit out a vector, a list of three numbers. Mm -hmm. So something like to, that is something that we never this. thought about before. Yeah, like one example of this is, for example, let's say your input is time. So this is just one number that you're inputting into your function. And so obviously your your domain is going to be like from zero to infinity. But then the output of your function, it like the transformation that happens when you input a value for your time, it gives you a position in three dimensions. And so this could be like, let's say you want to track a marble that's going around in like a cylinder or something. Mm -hmm. At every point in time, that marble is going to have a position in three dimensions. And so what your function is doing is says, okay, you input this, this time coordinate, and I output a three-dimensional vector that will give you the position in space. And if you, and let's say that we're doing like this cylinder, this like helix form, then the graph of this function is going to be that curve that goes around in a in, in a helix form the thing about um graphing functions like that goes from r to r3 is that you have trouble figuring out like a, a good way to to show the inputs and the outputs when you have one dimensional functions it's easy because you just have a, a graph in r2 and then you have the inputs on one axis and the outputs on the other axis but if you if your graph is a curve, where do you know like where your inputs are pointing to? Because mm -hmm. right? one input leads to a lot of a lot of different things, right? Because your one t is giving you is giving you position values, right? And 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 each and each singular and each singular input is pointing to three values in the plane. Yeah, but I guess what I was getting at is if you wanted to truly graph this function it would have to be a graph in four dimensions yeah but the way that that like the most conventional way would just be to kind of like like at uh even intervals of time you would just note down on the curve like this is at t equals one mm. and then a little while later you say this is at t equals two and then that's so how what you a lot of people do the in these scenarios is that they just graph the image. Oh, we can even talk mm -hmm. about this, like image, pre-image, stuff like that. Yeah. We didn't even touch that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we were talking about very briefly about, uh, as, as you were just mentioning, R to R3. And what that, again, basically means that you're inputting one thing, getting out three. Now, the interesting thing about that is if we were to graph the whole function, as you said, it would be in four. I mean, okay, maybe one to three is a little weird. How about one to two? Because we can think about 3D. Okay. So like, let's we're say gonna we have, have to, we're going to have to connect this to linear transformations pretty soon. Yeah, we are. We are. So, yeah. okay, we are. But I just, I just want to mention a little bit yeah, about the ahead. image. Just like, uh, I mean, just because we can, we can talk about it anyways. So what a lot of people do is if you want to graph the function itself, the function, when you're graphing the function, you're taking, you're showing the inputs and you're showing the outputs. Now, again, as you mentioned, when we have a one dimensional, it's super easy because it's one axis, one axis. So a way that I always thought about it is like you just add up the 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 domain and the codomain. So if it's going from R, which is R1, and if it's going to R2, the graph is going to be in three, in R3, because you're just adding the one and two and it's going to be in three. But now, 
This is where it gets well, cool. Well, well, actually, um, that would be like, for example, if you went to R two to R, yeah, then it would be a graph like in R three. Yeah. But there's actually like it's actually not so simple to graph something that goes from R one to, to R two. Yeah, it's not because at all. that's why I'm talking you, about the image because you. <laughs> right yeah okay yeah exactly exactly so it's not actually very simple very straightforward to do that because as because we were saying because it's just simply the number of possibilities right like your your one variable that you input will only have so many possibilities but then your three variables that you're outputting has exponentially more amount of possibilities so your graph that you actually end up graphing does not look anything like you would have thought it would look so instead, what people usually do when we have these kind of scenarios, when we have one input leading to multiple outputs, we usually graph what is known as the image of the function or only the output section. So we're not dealing with the inputs anymore, but we're only dealing with what do all, what do all the combinations of the outputs look like? If we were to put every single possible output, what would it look like? Even though that might sound hard, it's a lot easier to do that than to do it with the combination of the inputs, right? Just a simpler, and again, the image would only exist in R2, right? It wouldn't be in that third dimension. So you also have an added advantage of now, you know, lowering your dimensions and therefore simplifying your problem, All right? So that's another, another sure. advantage of that. Yeah, and so now when we talk about linear transformations, right, so let's get we'll, we'll stick to like the easiest, uh, linear transformations in in like our case we're talking about vectors from r2 to r2 okay. so what this looks like in general is that ev every position on your 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 plane that is r2 you have a vector and then it gets transformed into another vector okay what makes it linear is that you have let's say uh one vector and you have a constant that multiplies that vector. So the first property of a linear transformation is that if you run that vector through your linear transformation and then you multiply it by the constant, you will get the same result uh, than if you were to first multiply that vector by your constant and then run that through the, the transformation. You would get the exact same result. Mm -hmm. Also, the second property is that if you were to have two different vectors in R2, if you were to run both of them separately through the linear transformation and then add them together, you would also get the same result if you were to add them together first and then run that sum into the linear transformation. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by like linear means nice because you can you can pull things apart, you can take the constants out and all that stuff and it it all it all works out in the end. And so an example of a linear transformation and I, I, I like to give out this example because it's so simple, right? Your linear transformation is just multiplying your vector by 2. So what this looks like, imagine you have your plane in R2. Every vector just dilates by a factor of 2 away from the origin. Mm -hmm. And so this is linear because, you know, you can figure this out, I guess, on your own if you really want to. But, you know, if you have a constant... You can, you can add them together, stretch them, all that stuff, and it all works out to be linear. There are a lot mm. of other examples of linear transformations. But as soon as you start messing around with like powers, logs, trig functions, mm -hmm. exponentials, it very quickly becomes nonlinear. 
again, it's all about the relationship, right? That's, I think, all, that's the essence of linear algebra. It's the relationship between variables. So if the relationship is conserved, as in it hasn't changed, so if y was proportional to x, and after you transform it, y is still proportional to x, and not x squared or x3 or xy or anything like that, then we say it's a linear transformation, right? Like the easiest way Wait, to understand it. Wait, hold on. I think, I think you're mixed up a little bit. What? Because if, if, if y is proportional to x, that yeah. is the transformation. Like that is the relationship, right? No, th that is the relationship between the variables. I'm saying once we transform it, that relationship is unchanged. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. So the okay, relationship so. between the variables does not change after transformation. That is a linear transformation. When your relationship now changes in any form, as you were talking about exponential, logarithmic, squared, power, anything, then you, we would say it's a nonlinear transformation. And with nonlinear transformation, stuff just gets hard. Like we haven't even really yeah. gotten into nonlinear algebra. Have we? I don't think so. No, I, I mean, so. I don't think we, I don't think we're, we can even really talk about that. No. So much. Right? No, no. I mean, I think we, we should... Did we did we do multivariable calculus? Did we talk about multivariable calculus? We spoke before? about 100% cuz we spoke about I I remember talking about multivariable functions. Remember I was oh, yeah. talking about that profit example? I love that example I always oh, yeah. do. Oh, yeah. So I I think I think maybe we might have touched on it. But like uh I mean we're continuing on transformations right right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to say? Because I with, wanted to talk with about transformations dog again, like especially when we're talking with these linear transformations, like they become super important, not only for vectors, because right now we're just talking about vectors, right? We're talking about, okay, we have uh, we have some coordinates, transform them to something else. But now we can also transform functions. We can also transform. So if, if function transformations is also when you basically, again, a transformation is basically doing something to the inputs and the outputs. That's basically what the idea is, right? Like you have some relationship, you're transforming that relationship into something else, and you're just seeing what the difference is. So in a function transformation, even that, even you can apply linear transformations on functions, right? And then I, I believe you were kind of alluding to sign a little bit. Maybe you want to touch on that. How we were talking What's, about I don't even I don't even know what you're talking about function transformation. No, I'm just talking about like applying a linear transformation to a function, right? Because, how does that even work? Because isn't a because a transformation at the end of the day is just taking inputs and taking outputs and doing something with it. So I'm assuming a function would work in a very similar manner. I mean, a function is not like a function is just a rule that tells where the inputs to go. Right. So how do you really transform? Like that would just be a different function. <laughs> like if you were to transform the function itself. Okay. Maybe I was, uh, no, but, um, because every, okay. I think, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself because in essence, am I not mistaken that matrices and functions are in essence synonymous because they can be represented as one another. Well, matrices are f linear functions. Right. That go so from I'm saying, so again, I, I got a little ahead of myself by talking about, I didn't want to d discuss matrices again, but um, so now that we agree that matrices and, and linear functions are synonymous, we know that matrices can be put through a linear transformation, right? All, mat all, like all matrices, if you put it through a linear transformation, you get something else, 
right? So that was basically the idea that I was getting at. That, yeah, functions okay. can still go through a linear transformation because at the end of the day, all linear functions, this is all linears. All, all of this is linear, linear, okay. linear. I'm just not specifying. But all linear functions, right, can be represented, as you said, as matrices. I mean, you want to get into matrices a little bit, maybe? Because... We were mentioning it right now. I, I think we could, I think we should go back a little bit. Yeah, I, I think we got the transformation before really backing up into the whole vector argument, yes. but I think we wanted to talk about it because why do we want to talk about yeah. transformations? I don't know. You you just started talking about transformations. Okay, with, well, uh, okay, let's let's backtrack a bit. So 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 talking about just vectors in general. Let's just say vectors in R two, right? There is this magical thing called a scalar product, aka oh. dot product. Where I don't even know, like, we didn't even show that this is true, right? We just kind of take it for granted. But what? when you take a dot product, it's equal to the length of both vectors multiplied by each other times the cosine of mm -hmm. the angle between those. Mm. We just, I think that was just given to us. Like, that's what a, that's what a dot product is. Well, I mean, it's right? pretty easy to derive, though. Because, I mean, a dot product, fundamentally speaking, is, hey both of these vectors have to be pointing in the same direction. Similar to vector projections, what a dot product basically is, is you're projecting one vector onto the other. So wherever one of the vectors is, the purpose of cosine theta, because usually, again, this is for like those grade 11, grade 12 physics passes, <laughs> um, guys who've been through that, when you're doing cosine theta, what you're doing is you're getting like the X component of the vector, right? Like I'm just thinking X and Y, I'm, I'm simplifying it greatly. Just think in X and Y, if you do cosine theta, we're getting the X component of the vector, right? Now, when we project any vector onto the other, like let's say this thing is just moving in the X direction. So what we're basically doing is taking one of the vectors, projecting it onto the X, and we're only getting the X component of that vector, right? And the oh, X component by definition is cosine theta. So isn't but that- what I'm, No, but what I'm saying is okay. that- why is it when you multiply each component and yeah. add them together, that equals the length, the lengths multiplied together times cosine theta? Like, we just take that, like, as a given. Oh, yeah. that way. Like, yeah. when you do the mathematical dot product, like adding yeah. the x yeah. in. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's just given to us, right? Okay, there's Anyways. definitely there's definitely a derivation there. Just, we, don't, we, we don't know it at the top of our heads but there's definitely yeah i don't think we yeah. were actually given that explanation again just understanding that a dot the, product is a projection i think is understood by us right like maybe we can go a little bit deeper into that because we hardly even touched on it i was just kind of rambling but um yeah i don't think we were given that relationship yeah exactly so mm -hmm. anyways what i wanted to say is that the dot product is a measure of how aligned two vectors are. Exactly. So if the vectors are pointing directly like in the same direction, then the dot product is going to be at a maximum. And if we're only talking about unit vectors, then the dot product is going to be one. And if the vectors are pointing opposite to each other, then the dot product is going to be at a minimum or mm -hmm. unit vectors is going to be minus one. And if, and the, there's kind of this, this, understanding of what aligned means and it's not like as if the two the two um vectors are like completely pointing in the opposite direction that's not really like the what we're really interested in 
I think the most important thing about a dot product is that when the two vectors are orthogonal to each other, you get a dot product of zero. And this is the exact moment at which, you know, if you were to, like, to me, it seems a little bit magical, you know, but if you have two orthogonal vectors, they could be, you know, 100 dimensional vectors. You have no idea what they look like. But if you multiply each component and add them together, you would get zero magically. And By you the way, would know multiplying that the component angle... and adding together is 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 what is the process of the dot product, right? So basically, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like I don't know if we've been through that, but like that's an essence. Like the cosine theta is one version if we know the length of the vectors, but a yeah, lot of the and times, the angle. yeah, and the angle. A lot of the times we don't know that, right? They can just be like f- like all frolicked around all the whole, all over the cart uh, all over the Cartesian plane, so we don't necessarily know their uh their magnitude or the angle between them but we might know their coordinates now if we know their coordinates that's that's what you were talking about right there just i mean i mean what you said kind of didn't make any yeah okay it can be it has to be from the origin yeah you're right you're right no you're right you're right no but if you if you know the coordinates you can find the length right like the only thing that you need is the angle which is usually something that you can't you know you can't just pull out your what's it called like the the angle finder you know what I mean? Anyways. The tan thing? Yeah, I yeah, know. I know, I know. So moving on from the dot product, we have... So we've already talked about the scalar product. Now let's talk about the kind of intuitive next step, the vector product, also known as the cross product. So the cross product is a very interesting um, tactic, like a multiplication tactic. Again, these are just basically vector multiplications, right? One is a scalar multiplication, which is the dot, and one is a vector, which is this one. So the cross product, in essence, the formula, again, not that it matters, but instead of cosine, we use sine theta. But again, that might, again, not really make sense to anybody, but let's just explain the cross product as what the cross product really means. So when we're talking about the cross product, we're basically asking for, hey, we have these two vectors. What I want is an orthogonal vector. To both of these vectors so any so the most common example like if I have uh, one zero and zero one which is like your unit vector in the X direction unit vector in the Y direction right you take the cross product you get the unit vector in the Z direction so typically if we just had the XY plane and we took the cross product we wouldn't be able to do it it would literally not work because we need a vector orthogonal to both of them for the cross product to work. So in a two-dimensional plane, I mean, uh, in uh, in a two-dimensional coordinate system, the cross product simply is not a thing, right? So that's an interesting thing with the cross product. But what is the value? What does it represent? And I don't actually know why. Maybe you do. Maybe we can talk about this. But what the value of the cross product represents, and this is interesting, mm-hmm. is the area... Now, how do I how do I explain this vi- like without a visual aid? <laughs> like the area of the parallelogram subtended by the vectors. So let me repeat that. If you put the vectors tail to tail, so both the vectors are kind of coming out from there. And if you just kind of draw a parallelogram, so you kind of you copy the vectors twice, basically. So you draw one here and you 
I mean, again, for the video watchers, it might be yeah. easier. I have no <laughs> idea how the audio guys are listening to this. Yeah, I, I think the details don't really Yeah, matter. details, I think I got a little too deep into it. But, like, just the essence of the cross product is important. But I, I do actually have uh, some information on this. So, okay. the, the scalar product and the vector products are essentially opposite. Depends on what your definition of opposite is. But the 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 cross product is a measure of how unaligned the vectors are so if the vectors are completely aligned and and when i say aligned i mean like part of the same line so this this means that if your vectors are pointing in the same direction they're on the same line the cross product is going to have a value or a vector of length zero and if your vectors are completely unaligned and they're 180 degrees uh, pointing the opposite direction. No, 90. Your cross product is also going to have... No, no, I meant 180 degrees. Your cross product is going to have a value of zero also. Your, oh, zero. You're yes, going yes, to have a max value when you have a right angle. And if you <laughs> listen to what Ray said, um, if you actually draw the parallelogram, you actually get a square. And so the... If you have two side or rectangles, sorry, but if you have two different side lengths, it actually shows you that to get the maximum amount of area mm -hmm. with these side lengths, they have to be perfectly orthogonal. And one yeah. thing that's really useful about the cross product is that you can actually define an entire plane with one vector. And this is, and this is very beautiful because here's the thing. Let's say we're in three dimensions and you have a plane, okay? One thing that you can, just by looking at the plane, is that if you were to draw an orthogonal vector to the plane, um, that there's, there's two options, right? You can either, and we're, we're talking about unit vectors here, um, because if, we're, if we were to talk about like any possible vector, then there would be an infinite amount of vectors. Mm -hmm. But if you were to talk about orthogonal unit vectors to the plane, there are only two. There's one pointing in one direction and another one that's pointing directly in the other direction. And so if we kind of think about those two vectors as the same vector, because essentially they're just the same but with a minus sign, right? We could say that there's just one single orthogonal vector, okay? And actually, if you were to take any two directional vectors in the plane, you take the cross product of those two vectors, you are going to get a vector that's orthogonal to the plane automatically because that's how the cross product is defined. And then when you normalize that vector, you get the unique, the unique uh, normal, sorry, normal the unique form. unit vector. Okay to that plane. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that's awesome about that is that if you take the dot product between that vector and any vector that's a part of the plane, you will get zero. Mm -hmm. And so here's the beautiful way to define a plane. Okay, so you have your unit vector. Let's say your unit vector is ABC, right? We're in three dimensions. So A comma B comma C. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, A comma B comma C. When you take the dot product, you get, you know, the first two uh, inputs or the first two variables multiplied together, added with the second, added with the third multiplications, okay? So here's how you define the plane. 
you just define it as a x plus b y plus c z equals zero because you're essentially saying that well, this and is by the, the way origin, that, though, but yeah yeah but yeah this is a, if the plane is on the origin but what you're saying here is that and i forgot to mention that xyz is just like any vector mm-hmm. and so what you're saying is that when you take the dot product between your normal vector and any vector it'll be equal to zero but as i mentioned two seconds ago this unit vector is unique to the plane and so automatically if you do get this relationship where the dot product is zero you have a vector that's in the plane mm-hmm. so, and go. that vector that you were talking about uh, is called the normal vector and that yes. form that you were yes. just talking about that ax plus by plus zz is called a normal form of a plane and that's actually as you were talking as yes. you were saying the easiest form because instead of two directions which is what you usually need you can now represent, or two vectors, which is what you usually need, you can now represent the plane with simply one vector, which is your normal vector. And your normal vector, interestingly enough, applies in every single scenario. Wherever there is a vector, there is a a corresponding normal vector, right? So an interesting idea with a plane is if you have a plane and you have these directional vectors, all you do is take the cross product of them and boom, you have the form of your plane because you have that normal vector. So that's your big advantage of, you know, nor, uh, of, of this perpendicular vector to everything else. I had a you, question you, you for you, because I don't know yeah. if this is, uh, I don't know if this is true, I kind of forget. But in a hyperplane, like let's say a three-dimensional plane in four dimensions, are there two normal vectors? No. How? There's, there's still three. There's still one? There's there's three. Oh, you. Oh, no, you mean normal? Sorry, true. sorry. Normal, normal, normal vector. Yeah. I was thinking about direction vectors. In a hyperplane, are there two normal vectors? My instincts tell me that there are, but I genuinely don't. Because remember. in a hyperplane, especially in one where there are three dimensions, in a four-dimensional plane, there's going to be three vectors, right, to describe that plane. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, there would be two normal vectors. Yeah, obviously, because yeah. how can yeah, obviously. <laughs> what do you mean obviously? No, obviously, because you have three <laughs> different vectors, three no, vectors that do not depend on each other, that are linearly independent, right? Yeah. That means no multi- no form of one of them can equal yeah. any of the others, right? Yeah. So if that's true, that means if you take, yeah, if you take an orthogonal vector. To two of them at a time. Wait, no. No, that doesn't. Wait, that work. doesn't even work. One second. I don't know actually. <laughs> I don't even remember. Anyway, I think I think what we're gonna do is actually do a little bit of research yeah. after the podcast, and we'll let you guys know. Because I I'm for sure. Listen, if we were in the middle of our first year right now, because you took linear algebra first semester. Yep. And I took it second semester. If we were fresh out of linear algebra, we would definitely know the answer to this. Because I'm, we, I'm do we for even sure, do this? We never no, did. I, re- I mean, we I hardly we touched on hyperplanes, man. I think we did, anyways. Oh, wait, but this oh. is this is so general, though. What? A hyperplane is a subspace whose dimension is one less than that of its ambient space. Wait, so I was right in that in the in in that in that definition. 
So maybe a plane. Okay, okay. So a plane can be anything. Wait, does this answer our question of the normal vector? Yeah, it does. Listen, listen. Okay. So a plane can be anything, like a two-dimensional plane in a five-dimensional yeah. coordinate system, whatever. Yeah. A hyperplane is always one less than the coordinate system it's residing okay. in. I and, didn't know that. Yeah. So right here, via Wikipedia, so I'm going to assume it's right. Any hyperplane of, Euclid of a Euclidean space has exactly two normal vectors. What? How is that Wait, I'm true? thinking about that now. One second. Wait, so right here. Wait, 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 wait. So right here, where does it actually... Because I, I see it on the web and it says it has two... But how does that make sense? How can it always have we were, two? Maybe, yeah, maybe the case is that, like, we didn't cover this in our class and just because the explanation is just very complicated but uh yeah anyways. right here it says any hyperplane of euclidean space has exactly <laughs> two normal vectors i think we need to let go yeah. of this yeah may, may, okay maybe we'll, we'll definitely give this a thought though because this is a very interesting point yeah um, for sure for sure yeah maybe we'll give this a thought yeah for sure and my heart is breaking right now we because didn't i really wanted i really wanted to talk about uh uh, linear algebra in calculus yeah, and also we didn't talk about that linear approximations and, and you even said i still remember this conversation stuff. i'm like we're yeah. obviously going to talk about it. parker's like yo there's no way we're going to have enough time i'm like we'll will manage time we just couldn't manage time no we didn't <laughs> we just I think maybe taking time. like a whole three minutes to <laughs> google something yeah <laughs> no but this is an important question like i think it's a pretty cool question because when you ask the question how many normal vectors does a plane have well that'll just depend on the plane right like oh, and how many dimensions plane. would it be right but what's weird is that like how would a four-dimensional hyperplane have two yeah. normal vectors for sure for like sure anyway no anyway yeah we can definitely give this a give this some thought yeah before before the episode ends anything i just wanted to yeah. say like the thing with uh cross products is that they're fairly complicated if you oh my god we didn't even talk about determinants oh no <laughs> we didn't talk about determinants totally, at all oh, that we been totally an forgot thing. that sucks oh those are so great <laughs> anyways man okay I, okay we're I, gonna have a we're gonna have a part two 100 yeah, yeah, or at least yeah, yeah. some episode where we talk about this stuff 100 yeah. because so, there's it's wait, too important I, it's too what important. i wanted what i wanted to say was that you see like dot products and cross products you might think like oh this is just like mathematical mumbo jumbo you're just you're just inventing things for no reason but no actually you do actually see cross products when you're doing uh torque for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about rotational motion very we, we had keep a, saying yeah, it, but we're going to do it. On that. Yeah, but you, you see it when you're when you're doing torque. Um, you see dot products when you're doing work. Mm -hmm. um, you actually see uh, cross products when you're doing uh, magnetism mm -hmm. and magnetostatics because um, I guess we're not right going to talk rule. about this now. Yeah, we yeah, don't the right hand rule. <laughs> um, and you see, you see dot products. And one thing that I absolutely love is that like cross products and dot products are always like brothers. You always like if there's one, there's always the other. And so you do magnetostatics, and it's always dot products. And we do we do a lot of as you can probably guess, like you know the flux integrals are all dot products, right? Because you're dotting with the you're dotting with the normal vector. 
but with magnetostatics it's all like tangent vector stuff with the with the with the right hand we're getting rule. so, so you, ahead of ourselves <laughs> well yeah all, all i'm saying is that you know electrostatics dot products yeah. magnetostatics cross products exactly. and then you get to like maxwell's equations where it's all like <laughs> crazy <super> cool <laughs> that's just a new world yeah. Yeah, no, we can definitely have an episode. We can definitely have a follow-up episode on a lot of these conversations because we definitely want to continue about linear algebra and calculus. It is so important. And I think we found that out this year, in our second year, because in first year, we hardly even touched linear algebra, right? But in our second year calculus course, I'm talking about my, our calculus course strictly, in our calculus course, we saw so much, a variety of linear algebra. And it's powerful. It's a power to have in calculus. And it's hidden. It's hidden. It is. Because... And- Remember what I said, like scalars are vectors. You said, I, I just still remember that big argument we had before. They're yeah. just one dimensional vectors. You're and right. here's the thing. Here's the thing that's so camouflaged, right? Yeah. When you're in first year or even grade 12, you look at the derivative mm. and you look at the, the differential, which you, you don't really have to worry about when you're in grade 12 and all that. But the derivative is just a single number. But you're little right. do you know that that single number is actually a one by one matrix <laughs> and then it is. when you actually move up to multivariable functions you're going to be looking at m by n matrices depending on where your you know if your function goes from r mm-hmm. wait one second yeah like if it's m, a scalar value function wait columns it's, it's, it's row rows by then column. columns so it's going to be so m, by function one. Is gonna, m by so one so your function is going to have to go from rn to rm yeah oh that's, that's oh how. that's what you're saying that's what you're yeah. saying anyways rn so, to m is an m by n yeah yeah, yeah is an yeah. m by n so right. so the derivative that you're doing in grade 12 right now is a one by one matrix but as soon as you get into multivariable you're like hold up this whole time this thing has been a matrix quote yep. unquote and actually it expands into this mm. like whole beautiful like thing. we start with yeah. scalar functions and it's and it's a little bit and it's a column vector and then as you were and we were touching yeah. on we get to vector yeah. functions and then you it's a yeah. matrix like it's beautiful awesome. and and awesome. the thing is we can and the thing is when we get to matrices and vectors we have operations we have transformations we have all these tools mm-hmm. that we can use on these vectors on these matrices so there are big, big, big advantages of representing all of these things in terms of linear algebra. So yeah, we will definitely, almost definitely, we don't know when, but almost definitely have a follow-up episode. We got to do that. Also, let sure. us know if you have any episode recommendations because like most of the time we'll, it'll be like Thursday and we're like, okay, what are we <laughs> talking about on Saturday? <laughs> so, and like we used to have a list, but yeah. then we kind of like made every episode yeah, that was that on list. that list and we forgot to kind of fill, fill up that list. Anyways, let us know if you have any recommendations for episode topics or for guests that we should have on the podcast. And yeah. Yeah. So, let us uh, know. Thank you so much for listening. Where do they reach us? Number. Where do they reach us? I was just about to oh, say. Oh, you're just about to say it. I cut you off. That they, they, you guys, <laughs> you people guys. who are listening here, you can reach us at math.physics.podcast on Instagram or math.physics.podcast at gmail.com, where you can send us an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, we respond to emails in a untimely fashion, but we still <laughs> <laughs> we still respond to them. We do. Uh, we always say this, though. We, we yeah. Make sure to follow the podcast. Make sure to tell 
every single one of your family members and friends about the podcast. If we reach 100,000 followers by next week, we will give away... We will give away our entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> 100,000 followers by next week. That's, That's right. our goal. That's right. That is That's our right. goal. Get us there. We're going to give you guys a car. We're going to give you guys a jet plane. And I think we have a helicopter ready too. To every single listener. Every single listener. Every single 100,000 of those listeners. So this has been episode number 65 of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys.